It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is the Monday Madness edition. It's never been more Monday, it's never been madder. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. He's Doug Lee Maurice, and he's Stephen Means joining us for the first time since we incarnated the Monday Madness podcast. Stephen, this it's so mad that we had to bring yeah. you in to, to 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 fully delve into the madness. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here to see what you guys like, just to see it live, see what you guys talk about. And yeah, like you said, it's that crazy that you guys need to bring in a third person to talk about it. So, you know, usually we just it. talk about you. I don't know if you've been listening to Monday Madness. It's mostly just talking about you. But um, but this week we actually have to talk about some things going on with Ohio State football. Obviously, everyone knows by now um, Ohio State was supposed to play on Saturday, Illinois. Uh, some of us drove to Champaign, Illinois to cover said game Friday night said game was canceled uh we talked to ohio state coach ryan day who is one of the people who has tested positive for covid on saturday in a in a zoom conference along with ohio state ad gene smith along with head team physician dr jim borchers and we haven't talked to all of you since then so i thought that was a good place to start you usually we have our categories we're just going to do one of them is story of the week we're just going to do that right up front because this is obviously the story of the week is what is going on with Ohio State in terms of COVID and what comes next in terms of COVID. Uh, I was told today from just chatting with the team spokesperson, and this may have been common sense, but the, the, the pause that they're on right now is sort of a day-to-day thing. They have not reached the threshold as of the, this afternoon, at least, of where they have to do any mandatory stoppages based on the Big Ten thresholds. So right now, basically every day, we'll be checking in with them to say, hey, you guys still on this voluntary pause. If they're testing increases to a certain level there is a mandatory seven-day stoppage that the big 10 could institute but they have not reached that point yet so um doug you were on the call and steve with steve and i wouldn't even were you driving at the time of the call on saturday or were you able to be on there i was on it but i was driving at the same time so oh, okay. i just happened to be listening in on the zoom app full multitasker um yeah. i guess doug what was i mean i guess your biggest takeaway from from saturday i think we hadn't had a chance to talk to any Ohio state officials and i think one thing that that jumped right out to me and we talked about it was that this was more preemptive from Ohio state standpoint than maybe we initially suspected. We thought it had maybe gotten to the point of where it was out of their control and that from what they're telling us, I mean, they're, they're 
we'll take their transparency, I guess, at face value here. They're not giving us documentation, but they're saying we had this number of tests. It was this across this percentage of the, the testing. And that's why we stopped more on our own for our own prudence. And for, I guess, for Illinois benefits to some extent um, than because we were told to. So along the way, this has been confusing. We've been confused at times about the two different thresholds that are, that are at play in the big 10. The one that Ohio state did cross that they went over the big 10 threshold is the number of people who have tested positive. And then there's a second threshold that deals with the number of tests. We sort of finally figured out that one is tests, one is people. So they crossed the people threshold. They had not yet crossed the test threshold, but I think what we're finding is that once you cross the people threshold, like that's kind of the deal. And you sort of figure like it's going to keep trending that way. I was just reading the latest news around Minnesota. Minnesota had it at a point when it earlier last week canceled its game against Wisconsin. They were talking about like 15 to 20 positive tests. They're not the 40. They have 20 players and 20 staff. And by the way, they are being more transparent than Ohio State is. I wish Ohio State was more transparent. We're not going to get bogged down in that, but they're not telling us. They're not telling us we have this number of staffers and this number of players. We don't know those numbers. And some teams give those numbers away. So I am curious to see that whenever we hear from Ohio State next, whether that's on Monday or Tuesday, whether they still have, whether the number of people who were positive continued to go up. Because at Minnesota, it did continue to go up. And they've, they paused, they canceled, and it's not like they had zero positive tests after that. So what we know is from the testing that Ohio State has at least 13 positive people in the program. And I just don't know where that number is going to go. So I did think it was interesting that, yes, they paused before they would have been forced to pause. But I think it happening to Ohio State, because listen, just like in life, it's like, you know, it happens to you and all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, well, it happened to me. So it happened to the team that we cover. Anybody who thought that teams who canceled previously were being overly cautious or were being trying to avoid games or whatever, it, it really does give you a, a handle on like, listen, man, like Ohio State just had too many positive tests Friday. They couldn't stink and play. It didn't matter what they what the actual threshold was. They realized it. And so I just, I don't know. My anticipation is if they had more positive tests Friday afternoon, we don't know this, but if you had to guess, Nathan and Steven, like, do you think they had more positive tests on Saturday or more positive tests on Sunday, or they'll have more positive tests on Monday, or will the very last positive tests they have in this outbreak be Friday afternoon? Just the way the virus works and how there can be a lag between exposure and testing positive, there can be asymptomatic carriers. I mean, you, you can have it for some number of days before it shows up on a test. I just think people have to be prepared. And I said it, I think at the time, it may get worse before it gets better. So we have to see. I, I don't think that any Ohio State fans should count on, hey, like Tuesday, we're back to normal. We didn't have any more positive tests. We're good to go. Maybe they will. Great. Great. That's what you hope for. But I think you have to anticipate they maybe had more positive tests since Friday. Yeah, I, I, I would be shocked if whoever the last positive test on Friday was ends up being the last positive test in this run that they're working on right now. And if let's go back to when the first 
when this first hit the Big Ten once the season started, you know, Wisconsin debuts with a, a great game against Illinois, it beats the crap out of them. Graham Mertz has a great game. By Sunday afternoon, Graham Mertz has po- tested positive for COVID-19. I don't believe that he contracted COVID-19 between the end of that game Friday and when he took that test on Sunday. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Like it, 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 so this is what we're dealing with right now. I think and Ohio State's dealing with, I guess is a better way to say it, is just trying to fully come to terms with the extent of of where things are w- within the program. I do think it's interesting. I wonder if, you know, I tried to get some answers from Ohio State, as we all did, as far as just how they handled it once they finally found out that a problem was happening. And I, I wonder if because they had really been so clean, for lack of a better term, up to this point, if that affected the way they handled it this week. Like when they had a, a couple of, of tests come in, because they had not dealt with any the whole season and had not been really tripped up in any way by it the whole season, I wonder if that affected the way that they kind of moved forward and still didn't – that they didn't maybe separate more, quarantine more. I don't know what they could have done. But, I mean, it, I, that thought did cross my mind that, like, were they kind of – caught so even as they're, they're, you're so diligent about trying to avoid it but then once it kind of falls in your lap when you haven't had to deal with a single one of those up to this point other than the Justin Hilliard false positive did it did it affect how they ultimately handled it and could that have caused a bigger problem I think that makes sense I mean they were putting out pictures and videos of them eating together for Thanksgiving and having practices you know, post, I guess, when Ryan did maybe have, have tested positive but it seems like if you test positive it's kind of too late to kind of put some of that in motion because more are going to follow that. A lot of work has to be done before that. Cause once you have the positive, I, my, my assumption is if there is a, a number of guys who tested positive on Friday, it was probably a similar number who tested positive on Saturday morning before they were getting ready to get on a plane. And then after that, is but they weren't getting on the plane Saturday morning. They called it Friday night. They called it based on the Friday afternoon tests. Right. Uh, what I'm saying is when they went to go test again on Saturday, they probably had multiple a similar number to whatever the number was on on Friday night, and then maybe a little bit less on on what is it Sunday night, and then maybe a little bit more on Monday. But I think you're right. I think once there's a positive test, it's kind of too late to start trying to separate that guy from the clunk because he's probably already passed it on, especially if they're I think, asymptomatic. I think that's a fair point. And one of the things I wanted to bring up tonight was as we're kind of trying to speculate in a responsible way about what could be coming next. Ohio State did not these tests did not start coming in until last Wednesday night. It wasn't a thing that they found out about early in the week. So I think there is a period now where you, somebody tests positive. So you isolate those people, you do some contact tracing, you isolate those people. And then as each test comes in, you're trying to isolate those people. That process got started kind of late in the week and is still, I think, ongoing. I think they're probably still in that process. And so that's what makes me, gives me the the most skepticism about them being able to play a game on Saturday, frankly, at Michigan State. So I think we can maybe limit this conversation too. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. We can only speculate because we don't have a lot to go on other than what we heard on Saturday. They did adjust. They said they did adjust their practices during the week. Once they had the first positive test, they did not halt all their practices as we saw, as they showed us with photos, very purposefully noting that like Justin Fields was at practice. I thought was that, I think that was their way of telling us mm-hmm. Justin Fields has not tested positive yet when they should put those pictures out. That wasn't by accident, but I don't know that anybody is like shutting down all practice. The minute you have any positive tests, that's not how people are operating. I mean, the NFL is not operating that way. You have somebody, you isolate them, you get them out of there. They keep practicing. So, you know, I don't think the expectation is the minute you have any positive tests, you're done. 
right? That's not what we're talking about. So I don't, that's not the expectation that we think they should have done that. That's not what anybody does. But I think the hard part about this is it's not isolated to a position group. It doesn't seem like it's necessarily like pinpoint, like just here, right? That as much as if you have a position group wiped out, that's a problem, but at least it's specific. And for instance, again, you're trying, the NFL and, the, and colleges do do it differently. They're in different situations, but like, I think the Baltimore Ravens have had positive tests like eight straight days now. Like it's not isolated to a position group. It's kind of everywhere in that team. And that's their issue that there have been other times when it has been more specific for some teams. And I, and I think, and maybe we can get off of this because I think the main thing is this, and this is the point I've sort of wanted to make about this. And I hope people know like where I'm coming at coming from here. I, Gene Smith on Saturday when we talked to him was like, I haven't even thought about this stuff. I want to make sure these players who are sick, not who, not who are sick. I want to make sure the players who have tested positive are okay. They're isolated. I want to make sure they have food. They're isolated. I want to make sure they have access to mental health uh, people if they need that. They're isolated. I want to make sure those players are okay. And I talked to somebody else who had talked to Gene Smith on Saturday as well. And that person said when, when they talked to Gene, he was the exact same way. That that wasn't just for public consumption. That's where Gene Smith's head is. And here's the toughest part of this. We don't cover the other teams. We don't cover the other conferences. From afar, it doesn't feel like to me that that's what other schools, all other schools have done when they've had positive tests. I don't know that I've heard other ADs say, I don't, I don't know when we're playing. All I'm worried about is, are the kids who have it okay? So where you may feel like Ohio State is getting caught in between here is that they do seem to be taking it seriously. And the more seriously you take it, the tougher it is to deal with because you're not just playing through it. And you're not just saying, well, we didn't hit a threshold, let's play. And Jim Borchers, the team doctor, said it's not full speed ahead no matter what. You know, that like, well, we didn't hit a threshold. We're taking the field that they stopped themselves also. And so I think it can feel like that Ohio State's outbreak is really bad, even. But there have been other teams in other leagues who have played through 20 guys getting it. Right. Haven't we seen that? Oh, 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 a team's playing today. Hell, oh, there's 24 guys out. Huh. Crazy. All right. Good luck with the game. And that's not what Ohio State's doing. So that is a credit to Ohio State. I think if you are an Ohio State fan, if you're a college football fan, you should want your program to take the health of its players seriously. But the more seriously you take it, the harder it is to play football. So Ohio State thought its best hope was nobody gets it. And I still think that's what they thought they could do. Now they've gotten it. And taking it seriously, we want to talk about playoff rankings. We're going to. We want to talk about can you qualify for the Big Ten Championship? We're going to. And Gene Smith is saying, I want to make sure these kids are okay. So that's the answer you want from your ID. But I think it makes it a little bit harder to play the Michigan State game. So that's like you're balancing that. And then you say, well, it's not fair. Why is these SEC and ACC teams, they whatever block, you know, Clemson just, Clemson didn't pause. When Trevor Lawrence and three other defensive starters got it, they just played Notre Dame. They just played. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying conferences and schools are handling it differently. And it feels like to me, the more responsible you are, 
the more difficult playing football is. I think that's a good point. And I, I think it's, it, that's what I'm kind of interested to see this week. Like I, I, I don't know how transparent they're going to be this week as far as if, if the, if the testing progresses, I mean, they haven't really been disclosing things that much to us. Um, they did put out a statement confirming you know, Ryan days in particular, but they haven't talked in numbers about anything. And I think it is, it's tough because I think you want to do the responsible thing in the moment and, and do the isolation. But then it, it does, you do wonder though, that if it, by coming back to practice in any way, did that make it, did that expose anyone else who then now has to be out for three weeks? But I don't know. I, that's what I was talking about before. Like, I don't know what to tell them. I don't know what the better approach is. I think you're right. If you just shut it all down and, and give yourself no chance to play that week and then find out later, it wasn't that bad. What you, you've lost a lot preemptively and gain nothing from it. And the thing, and I was having this conversation with somebody, there's two things at play here. There's the team and there are the players. So to repeat, and I know we're probably repeating some of what we said on the emergency podcast, but to repeat the way things stand right now, any Ohio state football player who has tested positive for COVID-19 cannot play in the Michigan game. So that's where things stand. Other schools have a 10 or 14 day period that you have to be out. The big tens is 21 days. So at this point, they're just trying to get any of those guys who have tested positive. They're trying to get back for the big 10 championship or that championship weekend. If they're ineligible for the title game, whatever game they would play. So that's the issue. Then there's the team issue. There's does your team have enough players? You know, you're missing these guys, but is the, is the outbreak done so that the guys who don't, test positive can practice and play and get ready. So they have a chance to get the team ready, but we're telling you there are guys on this team right now that are out for the Michigan game. And that is hard, man. That is really hard that if you test negative and you don't show symptoms and, and you got it 15 or 16 days ahead of the Michigan game, you're negative. You don't have symptoms. You've isolated, you did a cardiac test that showed you're okay. And you like worked out a couple of days and got back in shape because it's a 10 day isolation period. But then maybe you, you isolated, you were ready to go as soon as the isolation was done. And like, you're ready, you're ready. But the big 10 trying to err on the side of caution says you can't play against Michigan. I, I am curious to see if, if, if there's something Ohio state tries to do to fight that, but that's where we are right now. So Unless a rule changes, we know for sure that if Ohio State is able to play Michigan, and we assume that they will be able to play it at this point. I mean, that's two weeks away. If they miss three games because of a COVID outbreak, that would be unprecedented. I don't think there's been any team in the country that has missed three straight games because of one COVID outbreak. But that Ohio State team playing Michigan will not be the full Ohio State team because anybody who has it can't play. Well, and I think also it's worth mentioning that anybody who then tested positive Saturday, Sunday, now you're starting to talk about them guys who are not going to be eligible to come back and play in the Big Ten Championship game if or, or yeah. Championship weekend, whatever structure Ohio State fits into for that. Yeah, because it depends on what day it was. And even if, if you tested positive on a Friday, you know, that, and you were getting back the day before the Big Ten Championship game, is that guy really ready to play in a Big Ten after not going through a week of stuff? Well, I think the issue is they think they would be ready to play. I mean, the 21 days is a lot of days. I, don't, I, don't, I really don't think – I mean, if you're not ready to play, you're not ready to play. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the, the rule. The rule's the issue because the other conferences have different rules. The rule's and the I, issue. And I do – to be clear on Graham Mertz, Graham Mertz did play the, on the third game. 
right? Because when they played Michigan, Graham Mertz played. Wisconsin played on a Friday night. He tested positive on Saturday. And they missed two full weeks. But then when they did come back, he played. So whatever, however the 21 days works. I think if that first day is the is day one, then you can get to 21. You yeah. can get the three full weeks before the next game if you – so, yeah, I'm not sure exactly how, but that's something that it's actually something I just wrote down that we need to double check exactly. And it's not just when you can play. It's it's when can guys return to practice before they can return to competition? Actually, so I, think I don't think it's, too. but I don't think it's that. I honestly think it's the 21 day rule. I mean, I, I don't think, cause if you're not ready, you're not ready. That's the other issue. You're not physically ready. You had really bad symptoms and you were out for a while and you couldn't do anything. And then you're not in shape yet. And you couldn't practice. You can't, you're not allowed to play. You're out for 21 days. So like, that's the whole thing. And everybody else, I mean, I know the practice, it's just the rule because if you're not physically ready, you won't do it, but nobody has a rule like this. This is the only conference that has a rule like this. And the NFL doesn't have a rule like this. Miles Garrett for the Browns has missed the last two games. He's a positive COVID. He's missed the last two. Everyone's he's allowed to play in week three. He's not out. Right. So, I mean, this is, this is just different. This is the strictest rule in the name of safety, but we're telling you it is going to have an effect on Ohio State. Because again, as Dr. Jim Borcher said, it is a 10-day isolation period and then a 7-10 to day reacclimatization period. So that's, you're getting the cardiac test and you're getting back in shape because you haven't been able to do much. But if you're allowed, I mean, if you could be on the short end of that, right? You reacclimate for seven days, well, that's 17 days. That's not 21, maybe now you can play. So I just, I wonder if they'll push for that. I really wonder. And I think it's Ohio, I think it's okay for Ohio State to be treated differently. And I think it's Ohio, okay for the Ohio State-Michigan game to be treated differently. And just because that was the rule for Wisconsin early on, you learn about the virus every day. You listen to the science. And if the science is saying, you know what? There's not a lot of science behind 21 days. I think it would be okay to change it. And I'm not just, I would say the same thing if Michigan, if there was an outbreak at Michigan. I would say the same thing if there's an outbreak at Penn State or whatever. If the science is telling you this late in the year and man, these guys have fought and here we go and it's a big game, you know what? I think it could change it. So it'd be interesting to see if this is where Ohio State tries to throw its weight around because it didn't do it when the season got canceled. It just went along with the rest of the conference. But to what you were just saying, what if this is the spot they do that because of what's at stake here? One, it's the Ohio State-Michigan game and it's the premier team in your conference who's fighting for a chance to get into the playoff, which is what, what if this is the perfect time to actually pull your weight to throw your weight around in this conference and get something to go your way. I think what gets tricky about it, and I, I don't disagree with what Doug is saying. And I, I think in, in any other year, what would be tricky about it, any other circumstance is that it's not the first time this has come up. Other teams have encountered this. Other teams have had their players sit out for a minimum of 21 days. When you start talking about competitive fairness, I suppose someone could bring that up. I just think that maybe this is a year where you have to throw out things like that and just and just say everything is messed up. I know that in a in a given year you wouldn't make a rule change and 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 lessen it when somebody has already taken the full brunt of it, even though this isn't a punishment. But I I think this year is the circumstance where maybe you toss that out. It's hard. It's hard. But I I wonder if Ohio State will try to do something. And in the end, frankly, they did throw their weight around. I mean, if Ohio State wasn't throwing a fit, I don't know that the Big Ten will be playing football this fall. Yeah. And that may be the other retort from some of the other presidents and chancellors who were more on the fence to be like, no, man, this is, we were only going to do this because of rules like that. And we're not changing. 
I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking either side of that. I'm just saying, I'm trying to put myself in people's minds. And I bet that there's going to be some version of that sentiment in that virtual room when they have that meeting, if they do. It's one of those things just be, yes, I agree. I agree. But I also think it's hard to say, you know what? Maybe this 21 days was probably too overly cautious, but oh, well, we already applied it to some guys and it wasn't fair. Let's keep applying it, even though it's not fair. And not fair is not the right word. It's unnecessary, right? I mean, it's just like one of those things. The second kid, right? I mean, your first kid, you guys don't have kids yet. Your first kid, you wrap them in a bubble. And then the second kid, you let them jump off the roof of the house. So, okay, early in the year, Wisconsin's like, everyone's got to sit three weeks. Sorry, 21 days for everybody. Now it's at the end of the year, and it's like, you know what? It's okay. 14 days is enough. Jump off the roof. <laughs> Well, but I think it's different when it's when it's within the same. If you had twins, you wouldn't treat them differently is the point. This is within a shorter period of time. Is, is So I'm, I'm introducing that as one of the factors that I think will be at play if they have that discussion, that debate as it goes on this week. We have our usual categories. I'm going to get to them after the break. Anybody else have anything else on this topic they want to get into? I, I talked to an Ohio State spokesperson today. He said we should we're not expecting interviews of, of with Ohio State personnel, players, certainly coaches even until Ohio state practices again, or until a development happens, like potentially they would have to cancel the game. We maybe get someone in that other than that, it's whoever shows up for the coaches meeting on Thursday, a coach's show on Thursday. And I don't know as of today, whether that's going to be Ryan day or Larry Johnson. I'm not sure they know yet. So um, that's all we're, we're going to have to, we'll have some other content, but it's not going to be bringing you guys the usual reactions from player interviews on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and that sort of thing. But We'll have plenty more to say as the week plays out, but uh, we're going to take a break there. We are going to come back with the usual Monday Madness categories here on Buckeye Talk. All right, that was a fun, uplifting segment. We are going into the usual Monday Madness categories. Uh, We always start off with uh, bracket busting. This is, Stephen, where I gave Doug a chance to lambast me each week over my terrible AP uh, ballot or assuming he would think it was terrible and week after week i'm disappointed when he's like no that's all right (laughs) that's that that's fine (laughs) and and this is the one of the first weeks where i was like i was almost ready to just light the whole thing on fire or just like pick names out of a hat or something because every time you give someone the benefit of the doubt that maybe this is the week that they deserve to be like in the top 15 or something they go out and do it and and have a terrible loss but um for both of you since since you've joined us this week steven uh, anything in my poll that you want to mock this week uh, go ahead, Doug. You can go first. So the one thing, I, again, I, I really don't have much to mock. Honestly, I don't have much to mock. I did find it interesting this week. I think Urban Meyer came out pretty strongly in saying that BYU should be higher in the playoff rankings. And I think BYU is 14th in the first playoff rankings. You have BYU seventh. Again, it's the, the obvious top four, Florida five, Texas A&M six, BYU seven. I can't remember who you had higher between BYU and Cincinnati before. Did you did you have you had BYU Cincinnati in this order? Yes. That BYU's always been ahead of Cincinnati? Yes, and it's essentially a tie. I don't know. I I had a hard time deciding which one of those should necessarily go ahead of the other. It's just kind of the Zach Wilson tiebreaker to me. You put the team with the better QB. If they had to play head to head, who are you take? I think I'd probably take BYU at this stage. So, um, but their, their resumes are very similar, you know, Cincinnati, I guess, you know, Cincinnati has played a better schedule. I suppose you would say BYU has had some more impressive results, I think because of their quarterback. So, but that's the, that's the order I've had them in. I actually thought about jumping Indiana ahead of both of them though, this week and did chicken out and didn't do it. 
I, I do think, I mean, I think it's interesting. I, I saw someone else tweet that like BYU is the best team in the Pac-12 and the Big 12. That it's like on mm-hmm. that side of the country, BYU is yeah. the best team. And it actually made me think Urban Meyer would be a fascinating member of the playoff committee. Because that guy, because the, the, the rankings every week yeah. would just be what Urban says. Because it's like, listen, I mean, it's I like you right, go in yeah. that room, like a charismatic guy with a resume in that room goes a long way. You should have seen what Joel Klatt did in that room <laughs> when I did the mock <laughs> committee. It's like Joel Klatt or, oh, owns the room. Joel Klatt is like the fake, the mock version of Urban Meyer. So that that carried a little weight for me. I also Urban, I also think Urban can be prone to hyperbole at times, which is great, which is why he's good on TV. I'm also prone to hyperbole. So I found that interesting, but I will continue to say that I think you're you're right in the right zone. And I guess my only other question then is this, and I think this is right because I think Kirk Herbstreet has said this, but he might've said it before the games on Saturday. I think he might've said it based on Notre Dame's win, but I, I, somewhere online, Kirk Herbstreet said, maybe Notre Dame should be number one with Notre Dame beating North Carolina. Sam Howell looked mortal against them after setting the world on fire, Alabama, eight, no beating Auburn. Good, solid win over Auburn. And by the way, Mac Jones looks awesome. Did you give any consideration to moving Notre Dame to number one? Some, um, but really what I came back to was the win over the win that Notre Dame had at North Carolina is very similar really to the win that Alabama had at Auburn. I mean, they trashed them pretty good too. So I didn't really, it, that to me kind of only reinforced how good Alabama was. I didn't see, they're pretty close for me, but I still think Alabama is the best team and I've been voting them number one. And by the way, a heads up for anybody worried about Ryan Day missing a game if Ohio State is able to play against Michigan State. Nick Saban was at his, at his house, and Bama looked just <laughs> fine. So you can win without your head coach at the, at the actual game. Steven, any shots you want to take at me before we um, I don't know. I, I think I, I might have put Notre Dame at number one just because – well, for one, that Auburn game was at, was at Alabama – um, oh, and I sorry, think, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think North Carolina is a better team than Auburn is. Um, yes, Sam Howell didn't look good against Notre Dame, but, but also, similar, yeah, similar, similar, yeah, similar thing. I, just, I, I think part of it is because I mean Alabama hasn't necessarily played a quality team in a while, and so I just think they've been, you know, penciling in W's every single week. So you, with Notre Dame, they've had maybe some more impressive wins because of that. And that's just, that's not necessarily Alabama's fault. They're just there's a talent gap in between them and Notre Dame, and so when you're talking about an AP poll. I think it should reward Notre Dame with that number one, that being number one for, even if it's just for a week while with the college football playoff rankings. And yet that's a different ranking. And that should, that should be different. Alabama should stay number one, but in the AP poll, if it's, when it's a week by week basis like this, I think Notre Dame probably deserves it a little more just for this week. I'm going to take one shot at myself. And it's the one that I, I struggled with at the time. And I've been struggling with it ever since. And that is, I didn't rank La- Louisiana Lafayette. I haven't been ranking them. They are a team that beat Iowa State in the first game of the season. They won at Iowa State by two touchdowns. They had a, a kick return touchdown, a punt return touchdown that game. They won by two touchdowns in, in, in Iowa State's worst game of the year by far. Iowa State's played much better since then. They've beaten some really good teams. I have them all the way up at 12th. Iowa, uh, Louisiana Lafayette's only loss is to Coastal Carolina, who I very publicly for the longest time did not vote for at all and have not been voting for them with gusto when I have been voting for them. But they're, I think, 7-1, 8-1 now. And uh, the more I look at it, like that, it probably should make sense that they get on there. But I actually rearranged everything from like eight on down or like 16 on down. I put all the teams into a big pile and like really crunched the numbers again and looked over the resumes. And that's how it came out, like 16 through 25. 
and um, they didn't make the cut. But it's, I think you could easily make a case for them to be on there. So that's the one that I'm kind of – I'm feeling like I might have snubbed this week. But Oh, one more. Also, I think Texas is too high for a three-loss team who has looked awful all year. I don't yeah. think they're a top-ten team. I mean, Which, it's – I mean, now, a lot of these are the same. Some of this is North Carolina losing, you know, Oklahoma. It's a bunch of, you know. That was the thing. I mean, here, you know. Oregon, is it how, it's how do you pinpoint the rest of that? But I do think – I can I think the case can be made that Texas shouldn't even be ranked given yeah. what they've done this year. I, I see what you're saying, yeah. Maybe Alabama, tricky, but, you know. Also, Alabama has wins over number five and number 11, Texas A&M and Georgia. So, Stephen, if you're worried they haven't beat anybody lately, they beat two top 11 teams in the first month. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm really just speaking on the last two, three weeks here, honest, at this point. Which shouldn't affect the time you, you beat somebody shouldn't have a great effect on where they rank in your poll. This is uh, let's move on to margin call, which is uh, who we buy and who we sell in, who or what in college football for this week. Doug, who you sell and who you buying? I'm buying BYU a little more. I, I mentioned that before because, I, I mean, I respect what Urban says about that. And um, I am also buying... Florida as a potential danger to Alabama, maybe, which is not great news for Ohio State fans, which we'll get into later on. But Kyle Pitts, the the tight end who is probably as good of an offensive player as anybody in college football, was back this week. He went nuts. Uh, the the Trask to Pitts combo is just unstoppable in a lot of ways. And so Florida is out there making a case sort of on a regular basis that it is one of the four best teams in the country. And if you are just going by eye test, their eye test can look really, really, really good a lot. And they have the loss to AM, which makes it hard for them to get past AM. And I understand that. I'll be curious to see where they are in relation to Ohio State in the rankings this week because. Ohio State did just lose the chance to sort of impress anybody because they didn't play. And Florida beat Kentucky 34 to 10. You know, they didn't they didn't score 75 points. But I think their their defense has been better than it was earlier in the year. And and their quarterback is just I think he might have 10 more touchdown passes than anybody in the country. And Pitts is like whatever. Rob Gronkowski reincarnated. So I think, I think Florida's for real. And like the good thing for everybody is that they're going to have to play Bama. And then if they don't beat Bama, they're not going to make the playoff. So that's the issue. But sometimes you watch that offense and you think, man, I wonder if they can maybe beat Bama. Now, I don't think, I, I think it's a maybe. I think it's like a 20% chance. But man, they, they can do some things throwing the ball. I mean, if Florida had not lost by a field goal at Texas A&M, Ohio State would not be in the top four of the college football playoff rankings right now. Correct. Mm-hmm. So something for people to keep in mind as they watch this play out next week. By the way, last week I brought up the the concept of what we'll we'll talk about that later. But I was lambasted for for something that I brought up, and I, I'm I'm starting to think it it's more on the horizon than it was before, uh, because of circumstances. Not it, things have changed since then. Uh, Stephen, who are you buying? Who are you selling? Yeah, this team's not making a playoff, but I think they've shown some improvement, and it's more about their quarterback is who I'm buying into more than the team itself, and it's Oklahoma. Um, I think they're going to end up winning the Big 12. Spencer Rattler's played a lot better uh, since those two losses early in the season, one to Iowa State. And I, I am all in on him being probably the favorite to win the Heisman in 2021. 
and he's you know starting to put it together as a second year guy in the program as a first year starter. He's playing a lot better. Um, you know, 300 yards against Oklahoma State this past weekend with four touchdowns. That's a quality win for Oklahoma. But they only held the 13 points. I mean, Alex Grinch held a team, a ranked team under 30 points. Congratulations to you, Alex Grinch. But yeah, I'm starting to buy some more stock in Oklahoma as being the Big 12 champion. Spencer Lattler being the favorite to be the, be the Heisman Trophy winner in 2021. So I'm also picking a team that is not in anywhere near the playoff picture, but I'm basically picking this because I thought people might get a kick out of it. But I am selling Purdue. Uh, Purdue just lost to Rutgers at home 37-30. By your theory of when to buy and sell, <laughs> they've bottomed out. Well, then, then maybe we should take it a step farther and say maybe it's time to sell on Jeff Brom. Maybe it's time for Purdue to sell on Jeff Brom. This was uh, a coach who, you know – did great things. I came in and and really invigorated things there, but it's uh, they have plateaued, if not regressed here, these last couple of years. I know the last year they had a lot of injury problems. They played part of this season without Rondell Moore, but he's back now. You asked, you know, you kind of go to me into like, Hey, don't you really, don't you want to take Purdue giving up however many points they were giving up at home to Rutgers. It was like 12 points or something like that. And I'm like, I don't know about that. And, and Rutgers beats them uh, straight up. It's just, they're going to, they're two and four now, even if they beat Nebraska this week that they're, uh, or maybe, maybe they're two and three now. So even if they beat Nebraska this week, cause they missed one game, then they're, they got to go at IU to end the season. Um, this is probably looking at another losing season. So it'll be three out of four season losing seasons for, for Jeff Brom since they went seven and six the first year. Something's got to something's got to get started here pretty soon. I think they haven't ever stabilized the quarterback position, which he's a quarterback coach. He's a he's an offensive guru. That was one of the things he was supposed to do. And the defense has just never gotten its feet under. And I think you have to do that in order to really make traction at some point. It's if you're going to come in to be sort of gimmicky and high flying and, and whatever. But underlying that, there has to be some defensive consistency. And they have not been able to find that. And uh, they're a team that I think should be by this point have started to climb in the West a little bit more than they have. And instead they're, they're sort of sinking farther down back towards the level that they were basically when uh, Daryl Hazel was fired and they had to go hire Jeff Brom. So um, I was expecting more out of them this year, just because of the talent they had. I thought it would make the, the West more of a fun uh, group this year. And they're one of the reasons that that hasn't happened. Can I add three things real quick? Sure. One is, I want to make sure I, I misspoke slightly. Kyle Trask has 10 more touchdown passes than any other power five quarterback. The next person, but Zach Wilson, who's at BYU and somebody else has, is within 10 touchdown passes of him. Uh, another one is, I just wanted to note this because I tweeted it out the other night. The Big Ten has been bonkers. Like you just can't figure it out. And that the idea that Michigan State beat Northwestern just like opened this up, but it took me like 45 minutes to figure this out. And I finally got it and I tweeted it. They almost have the full loop of everybody beating everybody. And so if you didn't see it on my Twitter, I just want to read it. Ohio State beat Indiana. Indiana beat Maryland. Maryland beat Minnesota. Minnesota beat Purdue. Purdue beat Iowa. Iowa beat Michigan State. Michigan State beat Northwestern. Northwestern beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin beat Illinois. Illinois beat Nebraska. Nebraska beat Penn State. Penn State beat Michigan. Michigan beat Rutgers. And Rutgers beat Ohio State in the second half. So that is the full loop. There's only one undefeated team, and that's the only one who's not in the loop is Ohio State. So that's how weird this year has been. And then the final thing is, we had had it suggested previously that maybe we stop making fun of Rutgers. Rutgers is very well coached. They were just slamming quarterbacks into the line of scrimmage for five-yard runs against Purdue. They do whatever it takes to win. Purdue is two and four, and that includes a triple overtime loss to Michigan and a three-point loss to Illinois, 
and a second half against Ohio State that like impressed everybody. So like Rutgers is well coached. And I think we might be done making fun of Rutgers because mostly what I have made fun of Rutgers for in the past is being unable to be competitive. But in the end, and you would have made more fun of them, they were about to blow the Greg Schiano rehire because when all that was happening, it was like they were not going to give Schiano the promises and the money that he wanted. And they were going to wind up down some other path when they have the only guy who's ever found out a way to win it record sitting there. And then in the end, they got it done. They got it done with the guy they had to get it done with. And he and that staff are coaching their tails off with this team. There are absolutely kids in New Jersey right now watching the way they find a way to win, the way they compete, how hard they play. When they're slamming those quarterbacks into the line of scrimmage, you can see the offensive linemen are getting up and pumping their fists. Like everybody's in on this. You have to give Rutgers and Greg Schiano a ton of credit for what is happening right now because the talent there is still bottom of the barrel. And he's taken kids that Chris Ash couldn't do anything with. And he's finding a way to be competitive almost every week. And now they have two wins. So Rutgers is clearly on the rise. And so you should stop making fun of them because they stopped being Rutgers. They got Shiano back. And now we might see them finally scratch the surface of what they can be as a big 10 team. Yeah, I agree. I think I didn't expect them really to be able to get their footing under him this year, maybe especially under the circumstances that this might be a just a year that you write off and you, you're starting to, to you're looking more long term and they haven't. They've been right there. I mean, they're you, like you point out so close. If one more stop in that triple overtime game, you know, one more possession against Illinois, you're looking at a, a four and two team right now. You can't really do that. But I mean, th- that's how close they are. So um, an interesting start for them. Moving on to our, our final two Ohio State-specific categories, Walk the Line, where we talk about the betting line and whether we think it's too high or too low. Came out today, minus 24 Ohio State favorite. I wasn't even sure they were going to post a line, but apparently they are. They post a line for the Minnesota game where half the team or whatever has COVID. Um, 24 is what it came out at, and it's at 22 now as we're recording this on Sunday evening. I don't know. 24 seemed a little bit high under the circumstances because we just don't know for sure who's actually going to be on the field for Ohio State on Saturday if they're even able to play the game. 22 is high by that same metric right now. I I think with this, you might just have to start too low and then start working your way up as you see things that Ohio State does news starts to come out of, hey, maybe they're practicing. Maybe they throw out another photo of Justin Fields on social media so you at least know he's playing. I think this is, yeah, this is too, it's not too high based off of talent, but given the situation, you might want to start with a low line just to be sure. Let me ask this. Other than Justin Fields being out and other than both Olave and Wilson being out. So I'll leave open room for one to be out, but you still have the other guy. Other than those two scenarios, who else could Ohio State not have against Michigan State that would really make you reconsider how that game might play out? That's it. It's just those three. Maybe Sean Wade, maybe um, maybe Wyatt Davis, right? And I'm not. I'm just saying, like, we're just talking about good players now. I'm not talking about. We don't have any idea who may or may not have COVID. I'm just saying names of good players. But how many would really, truly make you say, well, if they had this guy? I would think they can cover 24, but now they don't have this guy, so they can't cover 24. And I understand, well, if they have nine import, they have nine starters out, then it's like, well, it's not about one guy, it's about multiple guys. So I understand what you're saying, that you have to be on alert for that. We don't know. We just know at least 13 people in the program, so we don't know. But to me, there's just not anybody other than those two scenarios that would like 
make me think that vastly changes how that game would play out. I think, I, yeah, I mean, and I'm talking specifically again about what betting line are you taking on a Sunday for a game that, again, we just don't know the extent of it. But I do think that if, if there is a, there are, right, based on what how the testing comes out, the scenario where they could be down more starters than they thought they were going to be for this last game, but are still able to play the game and still move forward with playing the game. So I, I do think it does start to change it at some point. And, um, you know, Michigan State has some signs of life here. Michigan State's won a couple games. Yeah, and they're going to stink this week because it's just like Northwestern. I mean, I, I mean, I ended up going 0-2 last week because I took Purdue. That was wrong. And I took – what was the other game I took? Oh, I took Michigan against Penn State, and that was wrong. But the thing I was right on was staying away from Northwestern Michigan State because Northwestern can't handle success. So it's like Northwestern, they beat Wisconsin as an underdog. That made sense. Now, hey, we're Northwestern. All we have to do, we have a clear path. We're, people are talking about Northwestern in the playoff. We're number eight in the country. Of course they lost. That's like what they do. So now it's like, hey, we're Michigan State. We got our doors blown off by Iowa earlier. We beat Michigan, but wherever. Hey, now we beat Northwestern. They're going to get murdered by Ohio State. If Ohio State has anything resembling a team. So that's my thing. I mean, it's the ebb and flow. Michigan State, as much as this is weird to say, just because Michigan State beat a Northwestern team that people were saying might make the playoff doesn't mean they're good. They're still bad. And Ohio State's going to shut down the Rocky Lombardi quarterback run stuff that worked against Northwestern. I mean, that was a goofball game. Northwestern did it to themselves practically. So I would not be afraid. I almost feel like this is one of those. Listen, Nathan, what would the line have been in a normal week? Like, and let's, say, yeah, that's let's, how, yeah. let's say both ways. Yeah. There's no COVID at Ohio State and Michigan State had lost to Northwestern. This, game, this line would have been like 38. So like I might jump right now, not knowing anything, I might grab Ohio State because you said it went from 24 to 22. I might grab Ohio State minus 22 and just be like, you know what? If they just because either if it's really, really, really bad, they're not going to play. play. Yeah. And then if it's not really, 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 really bad, then all they have to do is win like 38 to 14 and they cover on a 22 point line. So I think I'd grab the 22 and I wouldn't be afraid of it. Any other lines that jumped out at you in the around the league today? I didn't look at any other lines who the Browns are eight and three. I'm too busy yelling at everybody to be happy about the Browns. What, what are uh, other crazy lines this week? Yeah. I don't know if they're crazy. Purdue favored by two at home against Nebraska, which could, uh, I think I predicted before the season that I thought Nebraska might be a two win team max and they are on that plan. So thanks uh, for them for, for backing me up. Ruck, uh, Penn state favored by nine and a half at Rutgers Penn state getting off the schneid and, and, and getting past Michigan uh, the other day, Michigan favored by five at home against Maryland. This feels like all games I wouldn't touch with actual money for all the money in the world. How can you bet any of those games? And we'll make picks. We each have to pick two games to, you know, to figure out. How, how can you bet on Michigan-Maryland and have any idea what's going to happen? Would anybody be shocked if Rutgers beat Penn State? How can you bet on Rutgers-Penn State? I have no idea. And why in God's name would you gamble actual American cash on Purdue or Nebraska? Are you serious? This is a stay away league right now. Honestly, this league is drunk. It has no idea. And most of these teams have no idea who they're going to be from week to week. And by the way, is Michael Penix hurt? Yes. Okay. So now you're staying away from Indiana. Who might be the only team beyond Ohio state that anybody would actually believe in. So I just don't think anybody other than Tyler Shoemaker, who is just raking in the cash. I heard his feelings. I knew I heard his feelings. And now he's just like, took some of this. He's just tweeting us with all his winnings. He's very good at this for a person who has agreed to be the unofficial official bookmaker, Buckeye Talk. 
But if you're a normal human who likes to throw a couple bucks on Big Ten games, I'm serious. Just pocket the money and go get an appetizer at Chili's because I don't know how anybody could figure this out right now. Wisconsin opened as a 14-point home favorite against Indiana, and that quickly dropped to 11. But I've, again, with, with Penix out, uh, I think there are a lot of questions about Indiana um, and, and whether they can kind of sustain this. That might be a good number. That might be dropping tower towards a very uh, good number for people who want to bet Wisconsin. Uh, last thing before uh, we take another break, fear factor. How much should OSU fans be concerned about the next game? I, should we take I, COVID I, out of it? Should we just take COVID out of it and talk I suppose, football for five COVID's minutes? Involved, it's yeah, 100% yeah, I suppose because COVID's involved, it's 100% because they're – yeah. If, if we're just talking straight football, they shouldn't be worried at all, honestly. Even even in a world, let's let's just put let's just say one of the people in fields, but then you have you have everything else. You still have Olave, you still have Garrett, you still have the four freshmen, you still have the bulk of the offensive line and Master Teague playing the way he is right now on offense, and then your starting quarterback is either CJ Stroud or Jack Miller. I still think they win that game pretty easily because the more talented quarterback still plays for Ohio State. Yeah, I, I think Ohio State is more vulnerable to an upset regarding taking COVID out of the thing, more vulnerable than I did at the start of the year because some of the things we've seen on defense, but this is not the team that's going to beat them. No, Michigan State just can't. They Their offense is um, – it's just like chuck it and pray a lot of times. Or it's what you were talking about, Doug, where you're just slamming into the line. I mean, it, it's, they're, they're not sophisticated enough on offense, I don't think, to be able to outscore whatever Ohio State can put on the field. I do think it feels like – the festering issues in the secondary are festering. And by the time the game starts on Saturday, I think there may be some Ohio State fans who think, we can't cover anybody. We don't have any. Because it's all you've been thinking about. From a football standpoint, it's what you've been thinking about. And we certainly think there might be a chance of some changes from a personnel standpoint in the secondary. And yes, like it's very, I'm very curious to see that. I'm very curious to see how that shakes out. But I also, you know, it was bad. But and then it's one of those. It's very hard and it's very hard. And this is just how sports works. And, and, and I'm guilty of this a lot, too. But it's like Michael Penix was legitimately awesome against Ohio State for real. I mean, with with pressure in his face, making throws right on guys hands. He was legitimately awesome. And then he didn't play quite that well against Maryland. And everybody's like, well, look at the, look at this. Look, Penix isn't even that good against Maryland. Why was he? So? And it's like he was great against Ohio State. That doesn't change that fact. Maybe he's not the type of quarterback who can play at that level all the time, but it doesn't mean that like Maryland is better than Ohio state. You know what I mean? We can transitive property ourselves into oblivion sometimes. And Indiana did pull away in that second half. But I think there were some people who were like, I thought Penix was a world beater. He's not doing anything in the first half against Maryland. That must mean Ohio state secondary is really, 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 really bad. And I just, it's an issue. Nobody's covered it more than us and everybody on the beats covered it. It is an issue, but don't drive yourself too nuts with like letting it roll around in your head for an extra couple of weeks. They still have some really good players back there. There's also something to be said for uh, IU maybe being up for that Ohio state game in a way that they weren't up for these other two games. I mean, I think that does happen. Let's not pretend that that doesn't happen. You know, the, they didn't score the second half against Michigan state. It was a 24 nothing a halftime. They didn't score in the second half. Penix threw two picks. And then Penix, they looked awful in the, in the first half against the worst defense in the Big Ten. So, um, but in the middle, we saw it firsthand, at least for at least in the second half of that Ohio State game, Indiana was pretty great. So uh, the, the, the true answer is probably somewhere in the middle there, which is why they're the number whatever team in the country and not a team on Ohio State's level. That's, that's how you decide those things. So are we going with, so we're going with zero on fear factor. 
Is that like the consensus number? From a football standpoint, I, no. I mean, really, I, I respect Mel Tucker. I think Mel Tucker is like a motivator and a guy who's going to get this program heading in the right direction. And Mel Tucker is a former Ohio State assistant. He's from Cleveland. Um, I don't know how much he'll throw that out to his guys. So I'll give a 10% fear factor because I respect Mel Tucker. But I think from a from a personnel standpoint, there's there's not really anything that – I think they have a good freshman receiver, but there's not a, really a ton that Michigan State has that should scare, scare, scare Ohio State. I'm like 3%. And maybe the first – you know, drive of the game. They pull out some random play that just works and it gets their team up. But then Ohio State reminds everybody that, oh yeah, this is a talent gap. So uh, yeah, 2% for me. Well, hopefully we get to find out. Uh, We are going to take a break there, come back and talk about the playoffs and what this week's, this weekend's news means for Ohio State in that regard. Stay with us on Buckeye Talk. All right, we are wrapping up the Monday Madness edition of Buckeye Talk with Who's Your Four? We pick our four college football playoff teams as of Sunday night. For much of the season, this was Who Is Your Number Four? Because we were locked in on three teams. I think that's starting to get a little murkier, perhaps. Steven, you can go first since you haven't had a chance to, to uh, mark it down on this as, as such as it is so far. Who are your four teams right now? Yeah, Alabama's one, Notre Dame's two. I mean, Clemson played this week, so they're three for me and Ohio State's four. Um, Clemson played, and Trevor Lawrence got right back on the horse before we got on here. I started watching that game to see what that was like for the Clemson-Bama watch column I do every week, and, I mean, things look back to normal for them. And so, for right now, Ohio State holds on and stays in at number four, but it's a little loose. If they can't play this week, then it'll be four to next week. Probably for right now, it's Bama, Notre Dame, uh, Clemson, Ohio State in that order. Can I, can I interject real quickly? Because I'm curious sure. about this line of thinking. You would move – so Florida – I don't even know who Florida plays next week. Who does Florida play next week? Do they play anybody good? I don't have it right in front of me. And, oh. and I'm not – I mean, of course, everybody's resume changes every week, and you have to factor that in. I mean, of course, Might you view awful. teams differently. They're as at they, Tennessee. Okay, yeah, Tennessee. Tennessee blows. Oh, I, Tennessee stinks. Sorry. Yeah, uh, they're really bad. So would you – if Florida just looks awesome against a terrible Tennessee team, but Ohio State can't play, you would move Florida ahead of Ohio State mostly because Ohio State couldn't play? Yeah, because I I mean, that's two weeks off for, for starters. Yeah, I would. I, I just think Florida continues to look awesome. And with Ohio State, if they're missing next week, you can't guarantee that no one's going to three games, but that doesn't mean they're going to start practicing that Tuesday after the Saturday game. But you're going to preemptively move them down because you think they might miss the Michigan game. Yeah. Okay. That's not how I think when I, when I think about things. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't people in that committee room because the only room that matters is the committee room that will think that way. But I'm just curious how much not playing will affect Ohio State because it's it's a little bit out of sight, out of mind. But also, like you, it's like you realize they're there. It's not, I mean, stuff happens. They can't play. It's COVID. It's a pandemic. They can't play. So you're not going to put a team in because they have a virus outbreak. I don't know. So I, I'm curious to see how the 13 people in that room will will look at this because it is about building your resume. And when your resume is on hold, that obviously has some effect. It's it's yeah, the I, it's the virus outbreak, but also it's four games versus eight games of a resume. Even that's, as awesome as Ohio State looked in those four games. That's, that's not a lot of football to be, that's been played. 
I, I, that's what it's kind of coming down to for me. I wrote uh, when I published my poll today that I still had Ohio State at three, but it's getting harder to justify keeping them there simply because they've played half as many games. There was a time early in the season where you did that, and I, I was still a little bit torn about it then, and I was voting them pretty high, but it was based on the fact that circumstances were weird. It's the same as kind of voting in the preseason a little bit, and that they're their number of games is going to catch up. Well, now they're at a point where, especially if they can't play at Michigan State on Saturday, they'll have played half as many games as all these other teams that you're getting compared against. And I think, Doug, you would know better than I, I ended up having the same four as, as Stephen, by the way. I moved Ohio State down to four. So if I'm vote, if I'm ranking the teams for the playoff, I, it is a little bit different to me than ranking them for the AP poll. I guess we can argue about that. Um, I, one's a little bit more subjective than the other one, maybe in my book, but I, they, they vote in kind of chunks of three, right? And sort of, Doug, like, don't yeah. you sort of – so you, you those those top three right now seem pretty set. I, I see what Steven is saying about these next three, and I actually – when I, I, I posted a thing earlier today where I was comparing Ohio State and Clemson and Florida and Texas A&M, and you start to see from just a pure resume standpoint, Ohio State does not separate from those other teams. It just doesn't in, in any way. They all have kind of an, an Indiana kind of win – you know, Texas A&M has beaten Florida and Florida has beaten Georgia. So they all have that kind of Indiana quality win and they all have some wins against bad teams. Um, but the fewer of those bad wins that Ohio State gets to have, I know it hasn't lost anybody, but it also hasn't been exposed in as many games. And the losses that those teams have taken have all been against pretty good teams. Alabama, Notre Dame, uh, Texas A&M itself beating Florida. So the resume does start to become um, a problem for Ohio State if they can't keep play. Against bad teams. So they would not be making, they would be ranked below other teams primarily because they did not have the opportunity to beat bad teams they were favored by 30 against. No, well, no, but I think it, it, you're either, it's not, I, it's, all, it, it's also how much do you want to punish another team like a Florida or a Clemson or a Texas A&M for having played a full season that exposed them to losing to a good team in games that Ohio State didn't have to play. Against bad teams. The games that are missing aren't against good teams. They were not going to lose any of the games they're missing. They're not. And, I, and that's a classic Nathan Baird, like, well, they might have lost to Maryland or Illinois or Michigan State. That's not true. They were not going to lose to any of those three teams. They all stink. So unless you're going to really – now, if they were missing, like, if they, well, they were supposed to play – if you're saying that a team has a better resume and that you're just going by resume and the more games you play, the better resume you're going to have, I, I, that's – I mean, that's – a resume voting. I get it. That's resume voting. But the idea of like that you don't learn as much about Ohio State or you think that like Ohio State did not have to be exposed to a loss in a game they were never going to lose. And we're not talking like these other teams have lost. You just said all their losses were good. So it's like, okay, well, Florida had to play Tennessee. Well, who cares? Tennessee stinks. That was never a threat to them. It was an opportunity for them. Well, I'm talking about red. But Florida, but Florida had to play Texas A&M. Texas A&M had to play Alabama. Um, right. Ohio State Clemson had to, play, had to play Notre Dame. But Ohio State didn't have those teams on their schedule anyway. They're not missing any games against bad teams. So if you're making an argument that those teams played better, better opponents, then that was an argument that you would have made whether Ohio State played Maryland, Illinois, and Michigan State or not. Because Maryland, Michigan State, and Illinois are not going to influence how you view that. If you just think those teams have played better opponents. All I'm saying is that I think that that zero next to Ohio State's name doesn't mean as much compared to the it doesn't trump the one that's next to these other teams names as the disparity in games played grows between them, considering how good the one loss is for all of those teams.
and considering that the three games that Ohio State would miss are against teams, they would beat by 30. Maybe they would beat them by 30. I knew we'd get there. I knew we'd get there. Maybe they would. I don't know. You never know what's going to happen against Illinois. You never know if the fighting Illini would jump up and get the Buckeyes. They stink. They weren't going to beat Ohio State. I just think in the world where if not going to beat them is different than beating them by 30, by the way. I just think in the world, if they don't get to play Michigan State this week, I don't see the committee allowing them to stay at number four with only four games played. While the other teams who who have legitimate cases to be playoff teams as well continue to play football. Because of resume. Because of the resume, right? Yeah. Not based on how good they are because of the resume. Yes. And you think that's how they should vote? Should, no. But, it, what, I, I but, think, but how? I think no, not with a team that we know when they're at peak, if they were having the opportunity to play these games, that they would blow these teams out and they would easily be 8 no right now if they had, were able to play eight games at this point like some of these other teams are. No, but I don't think they should do that, but I think they're going to do that. But, but, you, would, but also, it. you're doing point. it right now. You would do it. If I'm thinking as a committee member, yes, I would do that. But also at some point, like how, how, how are you really differentiating how good Ohio State is from how good Florida and Texas A&M and Clemson are? Because they're awesome and they have great players and they haven't lost. And they weren't going to lose any of the games they didn't play. But, but Texas A&M and Florida and Clemson win the loss of those games that Ohio State didn't play either. Right, but they did lose a game they did play. The, the, I, I, I'm not saying that I would. I'm not keeping Ohio, Ohio State, State out of the playoff because they didn't get to play Illinois, and I'm not keeping them out of the playoff because they didn't get to play Maryland, and I'm not keeping them out of the playoff because they didn't get to play Michigan State. But, but would you agree that there is a point where that becomes a problem? Like it can't just be these four games, right? At some point, they do have to get back on a field and, and play other teams. If Ohio State finishes this season at four and zero and does not play again the rest of the year, should they make the playoff? Probably not. I think they will be fine if they don't play. Ugh. You are preemptively knocking them down because you think they might not play Michigan. Yeah. Okay. That's not how I would think. I think that's how a committee member would think. You think a committee mm, member would the, say they might not play Michigan? So I'll no, I would. No, I would think I, that if they are do not play Michigan State this week and they've missed two weeks, they might knock them out because now you're talking about a resume. And understand again, I've still got Ohio State in my four, and I think I. As I did, I had them three on my AP ballot. I have them four on this. And I would put them still ahead of Florida and Texas A&M based on what I've seen with my eyes. But what I'm trying to, to, to introduce into this conversation, as I did last week when I brought this up the first time about what happens if Florida beats Alabama and Ohio State doesn't get to play, that thought needs to be out there because there is a way that you can That's, look at it that I think is legitimate. Yeah, but we're not talking about if Florida beats Alabama. Let's have that conversation. That's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about you guys are thinking about moving them down because they don't get the opportunity to beat Michigan State by 28. No, no, no. I wasn't talking about moving them down below four. Okay. That's not what I was talking about. But what I, what I was talking about, because I think they are somewhat connected, is the, the, discre- the differentiation between Ohio State and these other teams we're talking about is dwindling. In my, in my opinion, it is dwindling. They are coming back to the pack a little bit more, and some of these other teams – by their consistent performance are, are continuing to, to stay up there. You know, Florida, I think it was a close game in the first half against Kentucky and then they polished it off and, and won it going away. So, I mean, it, it's somewhat growing together and that's changing where those teams sit as you get into each successive week, as you get into the conference championship week, where we don't know where Ohio state is going to sit, who they're going to play. They're probably not going to have a chance to have a, a win as meaningful as what Florida and Clemson and or Notre Dame will have against each other. 
That's just the thought like, that I'm introducing point? here is how. But, but that's stop just... talk. It's a stock talk in specifics. You brought up if Florida beats Alabama. Let's talk about specifics. Dwindling, whatever dwindling means, whatever. I don't know. Talk about specifics. When is Ohio State actually in trouble? In terms I of think Ohio State is in trouble if they if they only play if they play five regular season games, and then who knows who we don't know who they're going to play in the Big Ten scenario. But I think at that point their resume, and I'm not saying I would vote this way, but I'm saying it, it's a legitimate thought to look at their resume compared to a Florida team who at that point would be whatever and one with a win over Alabama and okay, say so let's Florida proved itself specific. to be. So I think Florida beats Alabama. Florida beats Alabama in the SEC championship game. That's yes. what you're talking about? Yes. Well, of course, that's an issue. Of course, that's an issue. That's an issue that's all an issue. the time. But of course, yeah. that's an issue. And that's what I said on whenever I said it. If we're talking about if Clemson beats Notre Dame and Florida beats Alabama and those four teams all have one loss and Ohio State has already missed two games and might miss a third, that's an issue. Of course, that's an issue. Short of that, there's not an issue, in my opinion. That's a very specific scenario. Not impossible the way Florida is playing, but it's a very specific scenario. I think it's the kryptonite scenario for Ohio State because now you're saying, well, Alabama is Alabama. They're awesome. They lost to Florida, who's awesome. We're not knocking Alabama out of the playoff. They only have one loss. Okay, they're in. Florida is the SEC champ with one loss to Texas A&M, who's good. They beat Georgia. They beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. They've played all these games. Look at them. Okay. Clemson, now Trevor Lawrence is healthy. They've won all these games. They avenged the Notre Dame loss. Okay, they're in. Notre Dame, they beat Clemson once. Okay, they lost to Trevor Lawrence in an ACC championship game, but they beat North Carolina. Look how good they've looked all year. They're still in losing the ACC championship game because Ohio State only played six games. Okay, I think that probably comes down to Florida, Bama, and Clemson are in. And now you're trying to evaluate a Notre Dame team that beat a weakened Clemson team at home in overtime and then lost the rematch. So they have one loss and you're putting them up against a six and Ohio state team. I think that Notre Dame, Ohio state conversation is very interesting. I think Ohio state could lose out in that conversation. I do not think there's ever any other scenario where an undefeated Ohio state team, even if they miss three games gets left out. You may be right. I, just, I, do I, think, they, I, I think they shouldn't be left out. I think they shouldn't be left out because you guys are talking a lot about resume. And I've said this before. Nobody likes resume voting more than me. It's not the only thing this year. You have to go to sleep, leaving out a team that you in your heart think is one of the four best teams in the country that had some bad COVID luck. And that's it. Why aren't they in COVID? What else? Nothing. Who didn't they play? Maryland, Illinois, Michigan state. Did you think they would lose to those teams? Never. So why aren't they in COVID? So you're punishing them for getting COVID? Yeah. But what about the other teams? Well, I don't know. They just played through it. They weren't as careful. The Big Ten was the most cautious conference. Okay, so they're not in. Do you think they're one of the four best based on the players they have and the way they played in the six games? Yeah, I do. Are they in? No. That's a hard conversation to me. I would have trouble as a committee member coming to that decision. And that your thing is, well, these other guys played four more games because the SEC just says plow through. Now, if you're, if you're coming down to, hey, you beat Bama, you beat Clemson, you did all this, you looked great, you have all these great wins. And, and you're kind of removing, if you almost could have the same thing, listen, if Ohio State was 9-0, I almost would think the same thing. Then I think then you, you're more open to that conversation. 
<clears throat> if the main reason that you're keeping Ohio State out, like the, if the first, why is Ohio State out? Because they only played six games. If that's the first thing, that's tough to me. I'm not saying it's not a consideration, but I'd have trouble with that. Well, again, I don't think I'm saying that it's only it's because they only played six games, but it is what you what did you show in those six games? And, what and do I don't you think know. I think shown? I think maybe the difference I think maybe the difference here is that I don't maybe I don't see as big of a gap right now between Ohio State and say Florida as you do, as far as just their performance on the field. I see the gap. I just see a world where they might use that, whether it's right or wrong, they might use that as the reason they only played six games. Do you think they should? No. Would you, if you were on the committee? Probably not. But as, I mean, as this is a whole thing, as I'm, if I'm speaking on the, as a committee as a whole, they might come to that decision. Would my individual decision be that way? No, but that doesn't mean that wouldn't be what the whole group says. But you said if Florida beats Tennessee next week and Ohio state doesn't play Michigan state, you probably would move Florida ahead of Ohio state. If I'm speaking as the committee. Okay. Here's how we do it on this podcast. Just say what you think. Okay. We don't have to imagine. Oh, I'm not in a room in Dallas, so I can't. So you would or would not. No, I personally would not do that. No. Okay. I I think what's interesting is that last week, you know, if you look at the, if you look at, there's a lot of metrics out there that I know the committee uses that talk about performance and Ohio state is reflected well in all of those that I've been able to find. I don't know which specific ones are using. It's probably more proprietary stuff. Ohio state's, those things still like Ohio State because they take into account things like the fact that they were up 35 to three at halftime against Rutgers and 35 to seven early in the second half against Indiana. Those things that are like hidden within the performance, things that we have seen, which is why we're still putting them as high as and, and maybe higher than other people around the country might put them, but who just look at the fact that they're four and zero. I'm just saying that I think that that those things are coming together a little bit more, and I am curious as to how that plays out in the coming weeks because I think at, at some point. I, I think it is interesting what you're saying, what you said about if they were nine and oh, would you say, would you kind of look at it the same way? And I kind of think that that might be the way I look at it too. I don't like the way a lot of national people, and I, I complained about this on the other podcast. I just don't like how people are evaluating it and that people are, there was a, uh, by the way, being at home and listening to games on TV, there are a lot of terrible announcers I, I was listening to a couple Big Ten games, and I like there's guys that I like. There's a lot of people who do a really good job. There was a guy, I can't remember who it was. I don't know what game. I don't really want to call people out, but they just sound like nincompoops. And I think there was a Big Ten announcer who like did not know that the Big Ten has a championship weekend planned. And that, and by the way, like I know Nathan, you're only ineligible for the Big Ten championship game. You're not ineligible for the whole weekend, right? That's my understanding. Right. So this dingling on a big 10 broadcast was like, well, if Ohio state, it's only five and Oh, whatever. It's like, they're going to be six and Oh, because they're going to play a game championship weekend. Do your freaking research. Dumb big 10 announcer. It wasn't a big 10 network game. It was some other dumb guy. So people are just talking about it very dumbly. And I, I, so they're going to play if they, if Northwestern, if they can't play Michigan state and they're ineligible, I mean, they're going to play Wisconsin. Well, what's the West standings? Everybody else in the West has like nine losses. They're going to play Wisconsin in the second place game, which might actually garner you more respect than beating Northwestern would. By the way, it would almost certainly be at Wisconsin because Wisconsin has lost a boatload of home games. And Ohio State, the crazy thing about it, Ohio State winds up not playing a third game against Michigan State. They're going to be four home games, one road game in their Big Ten slate. So like they would go on the road for championship weekend, I'm sure. 
it didn't it did dawn on me that if earlier in the week when we thought the Illinois game might get canceled, like oh it'd be another road game to get canceled and then potentially Michigan State, like just cancel all the road games so I don't have to make the trips. And then I got the worst of both worlds. I got to make the road trip for a game that then got canceled. Uh, <laughs> and then you um, get to fly to Wisconsin in December. I don't think we should we should not, I don't think, give Northwestern two more wins yet, though. After what we saw from them this past week, I don't even know who they play the next two weeks. Illinois will be one of them, and I can't remember who they play. Um, oh, it's at Minnesota this coming week, which is a game that probably won't get played. So actually, they probably will end up with just one loss, and they'll have the tiebreaker over Wisconsin. But otherwise, it but means Wisconsin can't get left. in. Wisconsin can't get in. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. So they're not Sorry, competing against Wisconsin. That. They're competing right. against the only other team in the West. It's Iowa has two losses, right. and Northwestern beat them head to head. So beat they have them. The right. So Northwestern would have to lose two more times to, in order for that to come into play. You're right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're right. It is going to be them. <laughs> what, what, an interesting thought that, uh, that Zach Osterman brought up to me today was what if it's Northwestern against IU for the Big Ten Championship and Michael Penix isn't playing. So it's it's Peyton Ramsey against IU's backup and, and Michael Penix is just watching. Uh, that's a little bit fascinating to think about at this stage after everything Indiana has been through. Now they just get to go play against Peyton Ramsey for the Big Ten Championship without their without their best quarterback yeah, they chose that's going to wrap up this week's uh oh, actually doug did you give your four you still have um you still have ohio state i still have ohio clemson. state i would i would still have my head of clemson it's like i get it i mean i just don't i don't know clemson lost so ohio state didn't i mean the part of the hard thing too is like well clemson if clemson had called off the notre dame game and then not because of covid and then not lost but i think i'd still have ohio state ahead of clemson because then we'd be like, well, they didn't, they didn't beat Notre Dame. Why? What's what's so yeah. impressive about Clemson's resume that they shouldn't be ahead of? I mean, they they had the Miami win, and Ohio State would have the Indiana win. I still yeah. think I'd have Ohio State ahead of Clemson. So I just think I'd have Ohio State ahead of Clemson. Like, period. You you, you can also argue that the, the the three defensive starters who were out for Clemson that game, which I don't think was because of COVID, I think they were just injured. No, they just right? been out anyway. Yeah. And, yeah so. The three guys they were missing hurt them more against Notre Dame than not having Trevor Lawrence did. I think you could make a pretty strong argument for that. In a game, they gave up 47 points in a double overtime game. So, And I, um, listen, the Big Ten has not been very good, and we had huge arguments, all not interesting debates about whether the ACC or the Big Ten was worse and whether Clemson's schedule or Ohio State's schedule was easier, and I get all that. But, you know, Clemson, Clemson and Ohio State, I think, are very close, and um, – I don't know. Clemson has a loss. And then even if they didn't, I still just think like beating Indiana is as impressive as beating Miami and whatever. Ohio state's good. So close, close. I mean, I think I, I'm not, I would not, if somebody says, yeah, Clemson three, Ohio state four, I don't think it's the end of the world, but I just still think it's fairly still, as we all agree, rather clear that it's still those four. Do you think, will it help? Is it, hmm, how do I want to say this? How much does Ohio State – do you think they're in? If they go 5-0 and then win whoever they play Big Ten Championship weekend, you think it's only the Florida potentially beating Alabama, and I guess which would have to come in correlation with Clemson also beating Notre Dame is the only thing that would then keep them out. Because if Notre Dame beats Clemson again, then that opens up another spot. Because now all of a sudden, if it's not that, now you're talking about a two-loss team getting in ahead of undefeated Ohio State. And I don't think or, that there's I don't think there's any yeah. chance that happens. Or BYU. Or one-loss A&M. No, or yeah. one-loss A&M. Or, or a group of five, I suppose. I don't think it's going to be a group of five, though. I think it would be one loss A&M would be the bigger threat. 
One last A&M or right, or you're Brit, right. If you don't think BYU Cincinnati is really in the conversation and, uh-huh. and from the first rankings, it would tell us BYU is not really in the conversation. Cincinnati is going to be seven this week. Cause they're moving. I mean, they were seven, I guess Cincinnati's still right there. So if it would come down to like Cincinnati, A&M who didn't play in the sec championship game or Ohio state who's undefeated and didn't play in the big 10 championship game because of COVID because of a rule that the big 10 has that like no other conference has, but they still played a top 20 team on that weekend. I just, I mean, again, it's very hard. We're not most of the time, two teams from a conference don't make it. That's not usually how it goes. So I really don't think A&M would be a threat in that scenario, just because I think they would, if we're still talking about Florida would then beat Alabama who would beat A&M. I know that A&M also beat Florida, but again, it was three points. It was home. It was, I just think, I don't think, I don't think they're going to put three, three SEC teams in and keep out an undefeated big 10 team, especially one who started the year recognized being as talented as they are and, and, and not losing players permanently throughout the season. I don't think they're going to keep them out for that. But Florida is still the one that, and I introduced you last week. I thought, I think it's still something to keep an eye on. Right. But in that scenario, if Florida beats Alabama and AM is a third team, but really it's more if Florida just loses to Alabama as normal. Now, Florida has two losses and they're out. And right. now you're looking for the fourth. And is it somehow AM as a one loss team that only lost to undefeated Bama instead of Ohio State? I just think that's a hard road to go down. I agree. And by that the way, gonna... we wasted a lot of breath. Some people did. I guess we did. I mean, I was yelling about it. About like, what about 9-0 and o Northwestern as a Big Ten champ, right? Instead of Ohio State. And it's like, oh, that How quickly that changed, yeah. right? Yeah. Which only proves my point of if you ever thought that 9-0 and o Northwestern, because they have a Big Ten championship, should have gotten in instead of Ohio State. You were drunk then. And now we just don't have to think about it. But anyone who was really worried about that or who thought that, if you're worried about it, I get being worried. You're allowed to be worried as an Ohio State fan. Stuff is nuts. Anybody who is truly making the case, oh, 9-0 Northwestern, they've beaten everybody on their schedule and they won a trophy. You're, de- you're dead wrong. Be dumber. <laughs> be dumber, Buckeye talk. <laughs> yeah. We are going to wrap it up there. Um, I, I, are we coming back with the Tuesday pod? Or are we still taking Tuesday off? Because obviously this week got a little jacked up. No, I don't think we're going to, I mean, we're not going to add a pod, so we don't do a Tuesday pod, but I also don't think we're going to, we'll get back to the normal schedule. So we'll get back to the normal schedule. Last week, we only did, we didn't do also uh, a Thursday pod because of Thanksgiving, but even though like we don't know what's happening, we'll come back with a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday pod this week, regardless, but yes, off on Tuesday. And then we'll see what happens for the weekend. Last time Ohio State had a cancellation that we knew about ahead of time. We set something up for Saturday. I don't know what we'll do this week. Um, it may kind of depend on the mood of, of those of you out there and what you want to hear from us. But um, come back to Cleveland.com all week. We're going to keep everybody updated as much as we can on every single development. 614-350-3315. That's where we were going first with everything that happened this week, whether it was Ryan Day when we found out that he had tested positive, whether it was when we knew the game was canceled, all that stuff goes to our texters first. Two-week free trial, three ninety nine a month after that. You can get it right now. It keeps you, takes you through the regular season, and you can uh, decide if you want to keep it going after that. But uh, I'm Nathan Baird. He's Doug Lee Maurice. He was Stephen Means. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>